Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning, the final from Guaranteed Rate Field in Chicago. It's the Cleveland Indians 5, the Chicago White Sox 3. Man, Guaranteed Rate Field still does not roll off the tongue at all. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And I don't know how many of you watched the Indians game last night. I know most of Cleveland was tuned into the draft because we are all draft junkies here in Cleveland. But I'm guessing enough of you were at least flipping back and forth, right? At least had maybe the game on the TV and the draft on your phone or vice versa. I'm sure you were keeping tabs on Shane Bieber just striking dudes out on the south side of Chicago. So let's get into it. Let's get into the storylines. And the first storyline is the Browns are having a fantastic draft. Absolutely. Just a great draft. Great job by Andrew Barry. That's right. I like all the sports. I do an Indians podcast because there's not enough baseball talk. But I do appreciate and love all three Cleveland sports, Ohio State football and basketball. So, yeah. Uh, the Browns are doing fantastic. All right. Now that that's out of the way, let's get into the storylines of this baseball game. And uh, it's Shane Bieber, right? It's Shane Bieber striking dudes out. That is always the storyline when Shane Bieber takes the mound. He set another record yesterday. I think it's 18 in a row with at least eight strikeouts. Uh, If you give baseball writers enough time, they will come up with some kind of metric, some kind of record that Shane Bieber has just set or just broken. And they were doing it with they're due with, with the DeGrom too in New York. I'm sure they've done it with Kershaw out in LA, right? These baseball writers know it makes an interesting storyline. It makes an interesting stat. If you can find a way that your guy just sets some kind of record. So 18 games in a row with eight or plus strikeouts sets a record. He had 11 strikeouts on the day yesterday. Battling Keiko, who uh, is an interesting pitcher for the Indians to face because he throws a ton of changeups, and we know the Indians struggle against the changeup. Well, Keiko, even though both pitchers go six innings, this is bizarre. Both pitchers go six innings. Keiko only gives up four hits. Bieber gives up seven, but Keiko walks four, only strikes out four. Bieber only walks one, strikes out 11. Bieber only gives up six hard-hit balls on the day. 95-plus mile-per-hour exit velocity. Keuchel ends up giving up one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine hard-hit balls on the day. Uh, In fact, White Sox pitching overall gave up 12 hard-hit balls on the day as opposed to the Indians pitching, which only gave up seven. So even though Keuchel and the White Sox pitching was limiting the Indians' hits, they were walking guys. And they were giving up some hard-hit balls. They were getting hit around the field by the Indians. Uh, And the Indians were limiting that damage, right? Keeping them in a weak contact, inducing weak contact, and uh, really making it work with the strikeouts. It felt like any time a runner got on base against Shane Bieber, he went into this other level. He went to this, you know into this zone where he is like, I am just going to strike you out. I'm not even going to mess around with you putting this in play. You are going down to my uh, to my arsenal of pitches. And he was throwing a lot of different pitches last night, it felt like. Um, you know, in different counts, different situations, 
He threw the four seam. He threw the knuckle curve. He threw the slider. Of course, he threw six cutters last night and actually got three whiffs on four, str- on four swings with the cutter. His CSW on the cutter was up to 67% on those six pitches. And threw three changeups last night. Very effective. Got a swing and a miss on that and uh, called strike on his changeup as well. So yeah, you think of Bieber, you think of those three pitches. Now that he, now that you know what his slider can do, you think of him with those three pitches. But he threw five different pitches last night, really mixing it up as we're getting deeper into the season. By the way, another storyline there, the Indians are back to 500 on the season. For the month of April, the Indians are 500. Uh, if I would have told you that at the beginning of the season, coming out of spring training, it's not a terrible place to be. I mean, it really wasn't a terrible month for the Cleveland Indians. Some people are having terrible months. Yu Chang is having a terrible month. Jake Bowers is having a terrible month. Roberto Perez is having a terrible month. But overall, for the Indians, I got to say, 500, not a terrible month to start the season. We have seen much worse starts for the Cleveland Indians. And like Tom Hamilton will tell you, as the weather warms up, you never know what's going to happen here in Cleveland, right? The ball starts jumping out of progressive field. Anyways, uh, yeah, that's a side storyline. The Indians are back to 500 to end the month. But back to Shane Bieber. Uh, Through 38 fastballs, 27 knuckle curves, 26 sliders. So really mixing it well. His CSW total on the day was 39%. The cutter and change are a little bit of outliers because he only threw them six and three times, respectively. The most effective pitch yesterday was the knuckle curve for him. He was at 44% CSW on that knuckle curve. Yeah, and Keuchel, Keuchel was throwing a lot of changeups, but he actually threw a ton of sinkers. He throws a pretty hard sinker. Um, the pitch velocity, eh, Max is out at 89, averaged 87. So it kind of works like his fastball. He only threw one four-seam fastball yesterday. So the sinker kind of works like his fastball. And he got a lot of called strikes on it. CSW for the fastball, the sinker was at 30%, but is mostly on called strikes. Only three whiffs on that sinker. In fact, only seven whiffs total for Dallas Keuchel, as opposed to Shane Bieber, who had 19 whiffs from the White Sox hitters. Keuchel was only able to get the Indians hitters to whiff seven times. That's that's pretty good. Even though it only turned into five hits, at least that's something, right? With, with guys that throw change-ups like this, we're used to seeing a really bad job by the Indians hitters against these change-ups. Only a 23% CSW, called strikes or whiffs, on that change-up. And he threw it 31 times. So that is pretty good by the Indians hitters. Now, we weren't making great contact against that change-up. Our average exit velocity against Keuchel's change-up was only 74%. The sinker, our average exit velocity was only at, was at 92%. 90, sorry, 92 miles per hour. Uh, 74 miles per hour against the changeup. So, not great. Not great. We did great against this cutter and slider. Our average exit velocity against both of those were over 100. So, yeah. So, it's not like he was, uh, we were getting great contact off the changeup, but at least we weren't whiffing on it like we have in the past. So, that's nice to see. All right, so that is your pitching matchup. I also wanted to talk about uh, the spray chart. The spray chart against Shane Bieber because there were a decent amount of right-handed batters 
in the White Sox lineup. They don't stack the lineup uh, like the Indians do, lefty, righty, depending on who they're facing. They got guys that play every day. And Tim Anderson is a righty. Uh, Abreu is a righty. Mercedes is a righty. Robert is a righty. Magical is a righty. And uh, Magical, Robert, Mercedes, and uh, Tim Anderson were the ones that were kind of doing damage for the White Sox yesterday. Moncada had a hit and Grandal had a hit, but they're both switch hitters. But the spray chart against Shane Bieber, he did not give up any pulled hits to any of these White Sox hitters. Uh, Tim Anderson and Magical both had to poke one to right field down the line. The rest were kind of all located in right center field. Now, that includes Moncada and that includes Grandal, who uh, singled up the middle there. But Robert, his double away, had a swing, you know, had a swing for the opposite field. Uh, in fact, both of his hits, Tim Anderson, both of his hits had to go to the opposite field. The fact that Bieber not only was striking the guys out, but when they were getting hits off him, uh, they really, really had to sit back. Nobody was able to jump and attack anything. I mean, there's not even a shot to the warning track here that went for a hit. Everything was kind of weak contact and weak hits. So not only was he striking guys out, but he's also keeping them off balance when they do decide to swing, when they do finally make contact with it. Uh, No pulled hits from any of these right-handed hitters, from these big boppers, Mercedes and Abreu, Nothing down that left field. Nothing in left field. Nothing left of center. It's incredible. I think that, I think that is one of the most incredible images from yesterday's game. And he does give up the double to to Robert, which was a diving attempt from uh, Ahmed Rosario. And I've been waiting for this all season. I've been waiting for since Ahmed Rosario got put into center field. I was like, okay. What's going to happen when he has to finally dive for a ball or slide for a ball or, you know, leap at the wall? Are we going to see athleticism or are we going to see a guy that looks really awkward out there? And that double by Robert into right center field was really, really bad from Ahmed Rosario last night. He first he takes a bad route to the ball, takes a bad route, should have been running back on an angle back. Instead, he's running on an angle in and then has to cut back. You can see in his route an actual cut like a wide receiver running an angle route and uh, then decides to dive at the last minute, flails his body at it, never had a chance to catch it. At that point, you just get behind the ball and knock it down. Just get behind it, use your body like a soccer goalie, knock it down, keep it in front of you because it would have put runners at first and third instead of letting... Big old Mercedes come all around, all the way around from first and score, and uh, Robert goes into second with a double. So we knew that Ahmed Rosario being out there would cost us, but let's see if he learns from it because I think we can all agree that uh, Ahmed Rosario has been serviceable in center field. It has actually gone better than we expected. Last night was the first example of like, okay, yeah, this guy still has a lot of work to do out there to become an outfielder. Uh, Later in the game, we saw a much better diving attempt from Jordan Luplo. He took a good angle. He took a good dive on the ball. He just couldn't squeeze it. And that was the double from Magical that he hit down the right field line. 
All right. Speaking of magical, I'm just gonna keep. Uh, I'm just gonna keep getting sidetracked here. Speaking of magical, they call him. His nickname is Nikki Two Strikes. Now this guy is only in his second season. In fact, Magical was a 17th round draft pick of the Cleveland Indians in the 2015 amateur draft out of high school. We tried to take this guy in the 17th round. He decided to go to college and then comes back and uh, he goes to Oregon State University, comes back and gets picked in the first round. He was the fourth overall pick in the 2018 draft. I don't remember that, but uh, yeah, first round pick was Nick Magical. Little tiny second baseman Nick Magical. And this is why the dude can hit. The, he has in 76 at-bats and 84 plate appearances so far this season, he has only struck out three times. He's hitting 316 on the season with a 369 on base. Only a 421 slugging, so not a lot of power, no home runs yet. Only a 790 OPS, but a 316 batting average, only three strikeouts. Because here's what happens. You get two strikes on him, right? After an 0-2 count, he's hitting 364. After a 1-2 count, he's hitting 400. After a 2-2 count, he's hitting 462. If you have two strikes on him, He's hitting 355 with a 394 on base percentage overall. That is crazy. That is absolutely crazy. And he's not walking. When he gets down on the count, uh, he's not working his way back to a walk. He's literally hanging in there until he can hit one, fouling things off until he can hit one. You cannot strike this guy out. And it goes to show that he is the only hitter in the White Sox lineup yesterday that didn't strike out. Adam Eden struck out three times. Yasmani Grandal strikes out three times. Andrew Vaughn twice. Okay, Larry Garcia pinch hit for him and didn't strike out. So technically Garcia magical, but that was one at bat. Magical in four at bats has one hit, the double, scores a run, does not strike out. So there you go. Nikki two strikes lives up to his name. You cannot strike. If Shane Bieber can't strike that guy out, I don't know who's going to. Only three on the season. All right, so that's Shane Bieber versus the White Sox. The other big storyline was the third inning. And the Indians put together an honest-to-God rally, and you know how much I love honest-to-God rallies. Yu Chang strikes out to start the, uh, to start the third inning. Yu Chang did not have a good game. It's, it's getting really bad, really, really bad for Yu Chang. His batting average is down to 150. His OPS is 390, which means he's not even walking. He's not even getting on base with the, via the walk. It's getting really rough. His, his ground outs, everything else was a ground out for him yesterday, and they weren't even hard hit. So, yeah, uh, he, we, he may need some more time in AAA to work on some things because it's just, it's just not there. I mean, he got plenty of at-bats yesterday. He stayed in the game. Uh, Bowers actually came in defensively for Hernandez, and Chang went over to second. I don't know if that's a situation. I don't know why. In a one-run game, two-run game, it's not like you're giving Cesar Hernandez some time off. So hopefully nothing's wrong with Cesar Hernandez. But, uh, yeah, Chang really, really needs to figure out how to get some hard-hit contact. Uh, was he the only one in the lineup that didn't have a hard hit? Let's see. He, I think he had one ground out that was considered a hard hit. Yeah, one ground out. 
but the rest were pretty weak. I think if I remember looking at it, they were down around 60 in this 60 mile per hour range for those ground outs. All right, anyways, that's not the storyline. The storyline is the third inning because after he strikes out, Andres Jimenez singles into right field. Great hit by Andres Jimenez, 103.5 mile per hour exit velocity, expected batting average 840 on that single. All right, getting things going from the ninth spot in the order. Cesar Hernandez then walks behind him. I told you, Keiko walked four guys on the day. Jordan Luplo then walks behind him. Luplo had two walks on the day. Even though he's not hitting right now, he is still getting on base, which is keeping his OPS sky high at 919. I mean, it's pretty hard to have a 919 OPS with only a 196 batting average. Uh, So yeah, so he has cooled off a little bit, but still getting on base. Bases are now loaded for Jose Ramirez. Nowhere to put him. There's one out. Your only hope is a double play. Instead, he lines a shot up the middle, a grounder up the middle, 107.2 mile per hour exit velocity, though. It only had a 390 expected batting average, but when you hit it at 107 miles per hour, you are going to have a good chance of sneaking it through the infield, and that's exactly what he does. Singles up the middle, two runs come in to score, loop logos a third, runners on the corner, and the Indians have come back after, after, uh, Luis Roberts double in the bottom of the second inning, which gave them the lead. The Indians are able to come right back answer, and now they're up two to one. Fermil Reyes comes up. They set themselves at double play depth again, hoping to get out of the inning. This time he hits a weak chopper down the line at third. Luplo going on contact easily scores. The only play for Moncada at third is to throw across the diamond and get Fermil Reyes at first. So, brings in another run. Fermil Reyes was not hitting the ball hard yesterday. His absurd home-and-away splits continue, but he got the job done here. And then Eddie Rosario comes up and singles up the middle. A beautiful line shot up the middle when they were fully shifted over for him to pull the ball. He pokes it up the middle, and hes I think he's talked about this, where when a guy's in scoring position, he's going to do whatever it takes to get that guy in. That's his approach, and it worked beautifully. Jose Ramirez comes in to score four-run inning for the Cleveland Indians in the third. And actually, that would be all they need. Yes, Jose Ramirez does add a beautiful home run in the eighth inning as an insurance run on a breaking ball, no less. Takes a breaking ball. You know, they've been avoid th- avoiding throwing in fastballs, and he's able to take a breaking ball there and, you know, just crush one to right field. Beautiful home run. The expected batting average on his home run was only 280. What? The expected batting average was only 280, meaning if you take every ballpark across baseball and based on the launch angle and the exit velocity, it was only 96.2, so... He didn't crush it, but he hit it with the right launch angle, 33-degree launch angle, and he's able to get it 356 feet over the fence for a home run. That's crazy. I did not expect that to be a 280 expected batting average on a home run. Anyways, back to that third inning. Uh, Yeah, the four runs in the third would be all they need. The White Sox would try to answer back. Madrigal starts the inning with the double. That double down the line, you can't strike him out. Tim Anderson then singles. Now, this is the other storyline, the tangential storyline of this third inning rally, which I'll get to in a second. Tim Anderson singles, brings in Madrigal. He does strike out Adam Eden, 
but then Moncada singles. Anderson had stole second. Anderson did a good job. Steal. You, you normally don't steal off Roberto Perez. Uh, Anderson is that good that even he can steal off Roberto Perez. Roberto Perez was rushing his throws yesterday when Anderson was running. And that shows you the respect that Roberto Perez has because he doesn't rush for many runners. Uh, Moncada singles and brings him in, but then he gets Jose Abreu to pop out and strikes out your mean Mercedes to end the threat. So they do get two more back. It makes it a 4-3 game, keeps it a tight game, but four runs was all the Indians needed because the White Sox do not score again. All right, so I said Tim Anderson versus Shane Bieber was a tangential storyline, right? All right, so let's go to the... uh, Let's go to the matchup and let's take a look at Tim Anderson versus Shane Bieber. Now the first at bat he's attacking him with all fastballs. First pitch fastball, all high fastballs too. First pitch fastball, I'm not going to lie, is right down the pipe and he fouls it off. Second fastball, he tries to go even higher, fouls it off again. Third fastball throws it over his head. Was not going to chase that. I, I get what he's going here. He's trying to climb the ladder with fastballs. Can't get him to chase that high. Fourth fastball goes outside, paints the. It's off the plate. It's off the plate outside, and he swings through it for a swinging strike and for a swinging strikeout. So he climbs the ladder on fastballs, brings one back down, gets him to swing through it. It's a beautiful pitch that is just off the outside edge of the plate. Really nice pitch. But. Tim Anderson was paying attention because the next time he comes up against Shane Bieber, this time with a man on, Shane Bieber misses with a slider to way high to start the at-bat. So maybe he, after he threw him all fastballs, he's like, okay, I'm going to come back with a slider. He's not going to be ready for that. But he completely misses with it and then comes back with a fastball in the exact same spot that he struck him out on. The exact same spot. Between the belt and the letters, Oh, off the plate about an inch, you know, right in the shadow of the plate, they call it. And this time, Anderson lines it out into right field for a hit. He's seen it. He swung through it. He corrects his mistake. And this time, he's able to stay back on it enough and get the bat head out there, right? Get it out to the shadow of the plate and line it into right field for a hit. If you want to talk about storylines in a game, Anderson versus Bieber like that, uh, you know, knowing that fastball, recognizing that fastball, knowing what to do with that fastball. And in fact, the next time he comes up, Bieber doesn't mess around. He doesn't throw him a fastball. This time he attacks him with knuckle curves. But uh, Tim Anderson again is ready for this. Tim Anderson, he lays off the first one in the dirt. The second one he throws in the zone. And this one he singles out to right field to Jordan Luplo. Again, sitting back waiting for see, to see what Shane Bieber's going to do and reacting at the plate. So that's a pretty cool battle between Shane Bieber and Tim Anderson yesterday, which I think Tim Anderson won. I mean, not many people can say that against Shane Bieber, but I think Tim Anderson, he goes, I mean, he goes two for five on the day, but he goes two for three versus Shane Bieber. I believe the next time Tim Anderson comes up, it is not against, yeah, it's against Brian Shaw. So, uh, yeah, he was two for three on the day against Bieber. So he strikes him out to begin with, but then gives up two hits to him. So that is uh, a fun matchup, a fun storyline within the game. All right, the final storyline 
And uh, wrapping up this podcast here, the final storyline is the bullpen because the bullpen for the Indians came in and shut the door. And you might hate seeing Brian Shaw come out for the seventh inning in a one-run game. But guess what? Brian Shaw has a 0.90 ERA on the season. He was able to dispose of the White Sox on eight pitches, including a strikeout. Eight pitches to get through the seventh inning. That is beautiful to see. Karinczak comes in. He has to work a little harder, 17 pitches. He gets two strikeouts. Watching Karinczak and uh, uh, Mercedes battle for the White Sox was a hell of a matchup in the eighth inning. And then Emmanuel Classe, no strikeouts for him. On 13 pitches, though, he's able to dispose of the White Sox in the ninth inning, throwing mostly his cutter, does give up a hit, but is able to get out of it. Uh, I believe it's force out, ground out, ground out. So inducing weak contact with that cutter and getting out of the inning and getting the save and winning the, you know, for the Cleveland Indians, getting the win for the Cleveland Indians. So this bullpen, I mean, Karinczak and Emmanuel Classe are on just an insane level right now. Both of them have zero ERAs. And I think Karinczak is finally really getting into being... Uh, into this eighth inning role. And Brian Shaw is doing his thing in the seventh. You can't deny it. You can't deny the numbers. As much as you might hate Brian Shaw, for whatever reason you hate Brian Shaw, he is getting the job done this season. And uh, we thought this role might go to Wickren. You know, we thought some other guys might have this role. Uh we didn't know what Phil Maiden was going to be. We didn't know what Brian Shaw was going to be. Oliver Perez has had that role in the past. Not with us, unfortunately, anymore. He had to get DFA'd, had to make room for, for him on the roster. But Brian Shaw is absolutely getting it done. So my MVP for the day, as great as Shane Bieber was with his 11 strikeouts, I really think this three-headed monster in the bullpen right now of Shaw, Karinczak, and Classe is really Really impressive. So they are getting my MVP for the day. Three innings, one hit, no runs, no walks, three strikeouts combined amongst them. Only one hard hit ball given up, and that wasn't even the hit. That was a hard hit out that Brian Shaw gave up. So yeah, the bullpen gets MVP for the day. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. We'll be back tomorrow. Mackenzie is going to get the start tomorrow. They still have not announced who's starting on Sunday. I am guessing that's going to be Plesak, right? It would be Plesak's turn in the rotation. And then Savali could start the series Monday in Kansas City. And then I believe it's going to be Sam Henches is going to go in Logan Allen's spot in the rotation. So the fifth starter spot, uh, maybe it's the fourth starter spot. Yeah, because they're coming after Savali. The fourth starter is going to go to Sam Henches first. They were trying to keep him stretched out. So we'll see how many pitches he goes, 50, 60 pitches. Will he get up to 80, which is what they were hoping for? I don't know in his first start. So it might be only be three or four innings from Henches, but he is going to get that start eventually when they decide to use him. I don't think they would use him on Sunday. I mean, in theory, they could and just give Plesek and Savali extra rest. Um... That would be that'll be interesting to see. They have not announced the starter for Sunday, so clearly they're debating something. But yeah, it's gonna be McKenzie going tomorrow against Lance Lynn. 
We're getting the best of the White Sox starters this weekend. We beat Keuchel. Now we got to face Lance Lynn. And then we got to face Giolito, who's actually struggling uh, on Sunday. So that's it. That's this game. Let's wrap it up. You can uh, find me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash clevelandbaseballmornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.